Oh, Tom, I saw um, your Spotify wrapped earlier, and I saw that. Um... <laughs> it's already off the rails. <laughs> Why did you, James? Yes, that's quite right. I do have a problem with I'm Jack Francis, don't I? Because I listen to him far too much. Let's start again, start again, start again. How much have you listened to him, Tom? Well, let me tell you, Will. Uh, one particular <laughs> track... Oh, for God's sake, start again. <laughs> How much money would that be? <laughs> just start again. We can make it organic, please. One more no, go. No, this is we're the intro. We're no, in it's it not now. the intro. It's not the intro. Just enter Jack Francis in. I just said it. Jack Francis. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. How I'm much gonna... does a Freddo cost these days? Oh, stop. It's going to be so <laughs> I good. I haven't recorded mine. Just cut me in. <laughs> Mine's recording. Oh, God. Just be... What? Oh, dear me. Um... I've completely lost my train of thought. Well, there we go. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to our Muted Unmastered. My name's Will and this is the most truthful music podcast on the internet. Today I'm joined by James. Hello. And Tom. Hello. In this episode we're reviewing the new Daniel Avery album. I was going to say we've got the upcoming releases you need to know about but there aren't any so let's kick it off with the news. Tom, what have you got for us? Well, you may have noticed in that complete farce of a uh, introduction that we were actually alluding to uh, Spotify Wrapped. I, in particular, have been listening to an awful lot of Jack Francis this year, and Spotify have released a load of stats on the top artists, on the top songs, on the top uh, albums of 2022 on their platform. So the top artist on Spotify for this year is Bad Bunny. The Puerto Rican rapper and singer has topped the charts for the third year in a row. He is the most listened to artist on Spotify, which, number one, I didn't expect. Number two, fair enough. Uh, top five artists on Spotify for this year. Number one is Bad Bunny. Number two is Taylor Swift. Number three... Well, actually, any guesses who else might be in the top five? Or should I just rattle through the other the other um, options? you got three, four, and five. Ed Sheeran? Nope. No. Mm, Olivia Rodrigo? No. Good guess. Who's released big albums this BTS. year? BTS. Ooh, good guess. Yes, that's one. BTS. Very famous meme. Like some things, prefers others. Or dislike some things, prefers others. Oh, um, Drake. Thank you. Uh, and then, uh, what's the other thing about this guy? He had a really famous song last year. And for some reason, it's kind of like a hangover. He's still there. Genuinely couldn't get away from it. Mums love it for their fitness classes. How many mums' fitness classes are you going to, Tom? <laughs> Too many. Just estimate for me, at, like <laughs> a month. How many? Oh, at least, at least a half. It's the weekend. Um I don't oh, know if it's specifically oh. blaming like which putting it up there, but there he is. That's top five. So uh, most streamed artists globally. Number one is Bad Bunny. Number two is Taylor Swift. Number three is Drake. Number four is The Weeknd. And number five is BTS. There's also, uh, in the usual way, a load of interesting little tidbits in here. Um, most viral artists globally. I couldn't quite figure out how they were estimating this but it seems as though the ones that most spontaneously out of nowhere gained popularity or gained streams rather uh, with no 
well, no, the thing is, there was an outside influence because they probably released an album or something. Taylor Swift was the most viral artist of this year, which is unsurprising given that um, Midnight's has literally blown up the world. The Weeknd is also in there. Bad Bunny's also in there. BTS is also in there. Uh, but also Lana Del Rey is in there. I'm not sure what she's released this year, but whatever it was, it was apparently very viral on Spotify. Uh, one other tidbit from me, um, just because I had to go to Google to understand what it meant by this, uh, and I'll throw, it, I'll throw it to the floor if anyone can figure out what this actually means before I tell you the answer. In 2022, 660% increase. That happened in spring. Uh, there was a 660% increase in user-generated playlists for the term Coastal Grandmother. Anybody have a guess what that means? Is that like on Instagram, wasn't there the whole like uh, farm core or whatever it's called where people were really into like living that countryside life? Is this like the new one where it's like, what is it? Marine old person or whatever. I mean, a cursory glance at Google, it's, it's kind of that, but not really. It is certainly an aesthetic thing. Is it people wanting to be like that scene in Thor Ragnarok where Anthony Hopkins turns into dust and floats into the sea? <laughs> I, I wish what what and, and, that, and that is coastal grandmother. Yeah, no, apparently yeah. it's like apparently it's like a fashion thing. Um, lots of people wearing like stripy tops and like denim shirts and stuff, and apparently that's in, and they call it coastal grandmother because apparently lots of people have grand matriarchs who dress like that. Um, there's articles going Google it. I was completely like blown away by that, not because it was like extraordinary, but just because I looked at it and I went, what on earth are you talking about? Because in Braps, it generally says, this spring we saw a 16, 660% increase in a spike in user-generated, quote, coastal grandmother, end quote, related playlists on Spotify. And I went, context, people, context. There's probably like one to begin with, so there's only like 660. <laughs> that is true, now. that's very true. Anything else of note here? The throwbacks, um, albums which were released more than 20 years ago. Eminem, the Marshall Mavis LP, has suddenly shot back up. Apparently that was very popular this year. So was Hounds of Love by Kate Bush. So was Parachutes by Coldplay. I don't know what Coldplay have been doing apart from touring, but that may be the answer to the question I've just put there. Yeah, I think maybe. <laughs> I think that might be the case. That may be the thing. But why Parachutes? I mean, it's great. I've listened to it, but like... Very unusual. There must be something spurring that, but I don't know what it was. Uh, and also one by the Beatles, because the Beatles. And I think that is it. The conversation we were having earlier, just for context, um, in my Spotify rap 2022, Jack Francis was by far uh, my biggest artist of the year. Not necessarily because it was my favourite album, but it was just so listenable. Uh, one song in particular, A Little Love, I listened to 126 times. We were having a brief conversation talk about the fact that Spotify does not pay artists an awful lot for any particular stream. If you play a song for more than 30 seconds, they will pay about a third of a penny. So you'd need, what is it, 300 streams to make a pound. No. You would need, this is where my terrible mouse comes to, no, about 300. 300 to 400 streams will make a pound on Spotify. My 126 streams, about 8 hours of listening, would make 43 pence for Jack Francis, and I'm going to quickly Google the price of a Freddo bar. £100 on eBay. That's not quite right. Oh, no. From the Cadbury's gift shop, you can get a Freddo bar for 30p. 
So, Will, you're quite right. They were not as expensive as I initially thought. I thought that 43p would not be able to buy your Fredo bar. It turns out you can. So, uh, Jack, if you're listening, you can go out and get a Fredo bar with my contribution to your Spotify revenue for this year. So there we are, Spotify wrapped. Hang on, though. I'm out here doing the hard journalism. At WH Smith, one individual Fredo bar, 49p. For, oh, so Smiths are actually inflating the price. What here... Cadbury Freddo, 18 grams. Tesco, 25p. Oh, see, but that's online. In store ah. at Tesco and Sainsbury's, 30p. Ah, mm. so you need to go so online you get to get the best value online. Don't invest in gold. Invest in Freddo. Invest in Freddo. The best value Freddos you can get are at home bargains, but you have to buy them in packs of five to get them to 17p each. <laughs> How long is it before r slash Wall Street bets starts telling people to buy odd confectionery items instead of actual like Bitcoin or stocks? Diversify your portfolio or whatever they say. Quite. <laughs> Diversify your Freddo collection. <laughs> Diversify your Freddo collection. A um, little bit of trivia on the side. Coldplay, as we're talking about parachutes, uh, used, to hand, used to hand out uh, curly whirlies at the end of shows. So I've been told. So they used to buy a box of curly whirlies from the shop around the corner and just throw them out at the end of the venue. Uh, at the end of the venue? Yeah, just throw it out in the rain. They used to throw them out at the end of the shows. <laughs> as they burn the place down to the ground. Off <laughs> <laughs> they close on Save the curly panic. whirlies. So there we go. Spotify wraps. Um, a sort of surprising takeover for this week and one short mention for uh, Christ- uh, Christine McVie, who is the singer in Fleetwood Mac. She has passed away at the age of 79. 79. Right, let's get on to our review for this week. We're looking at Ultra Truth by Daniel Avery, released on the 4th of November 2022 on Fantasy Sound under licence to Pius. It's 15 tracks long, 57 minutes and 27 seconds. Daniel Avery says of the album, Ultra Truth finds me in a different place to where I've been before. My previous albums have all focused on the idea of music being an escape or a distraction from the world, but that's not the case this time. For me, this album is about looking directly into the darkness, not running away from it. There's a way through these times, but it involves keeping the important people in your life close to you and navigating the noise together. This is an intentionally heavy and dense album, the hooks often hidden in dusty corners. I'm no longer dealing in the misty-eyed euphoria. Ultra Truth is a distorted fever dream of a record, riled, determined, and alive. So, let's get into general thoughts. James, let's start with you. What did you think of this album? I'm not sure if I get all of that from it, but I really think this album delivers listening to it the first few times it's just a it's a brilliant listen it's it's ear candy really it's it really takes you on a journey throughout the whole thing really when analyzing it i do feel like there's some points where it doesn't feel like it's structured enough it doesn't feel like it's telling you too much of a story i don't think that it does it good i think that there are some like really good tracks in here where it has its parts, parts A, part B, part C, but there's other tracks where it doesn't quite have that. And when that happens, it doesn't work as much for me. But when it does hit those points, when it does has, has the parts, has has that structure, has that story, it just really works for me. And I, I was kind of surprised to how, how much the music touched me when there wasn't even vocals. It, it's just the movement of these 
synths moving on this percussion just worked really well at some points. And though I don't recommend like listening to it in the background, like first time listen, but if you're doing that on the subsequent listen, you'd really enjoy it. Or like on a nice hi-fi system, the speakers on just like chilling, relaxing. This is such, like such a great album to just like chill to. Um, yeah, I I just really enjoyed the album this weekend. I, I think it does what it's trying to do really well. And yeah, um, though there are some flaws, I think, I think it's just really good. Tom? Doing so much with so little, so loud and yet so quiet, this was an album that really, really blew me sideways in a way that I didn't expect. This is lovely. The craftsmanship that's gone into the compositions of each of these tracks, the heart that's gone into them, the little details, it was really, really good. Uh, coming in blind effectively to Daniel Avery's previous work. I don't know what this is like in comparison to the rest. I know that this is wonderful. I love the way that uh, vocals and melodies and ideas come and go. The big thing for me is that though this is more of an ambient album in the sense that it's very instrumental-led, it's very... um, spacious it's got lots of reverb it doesn't feel like it's just playing to devices and doesn't feel like it's um it doesn't feel like an experiment doesn't feel like someone is at i don't know a wall of modular simps manipulating sounds and developing them for a track it's not that it's also not uh two or three musicians in the room jamming together these feel like really carefully crafted compositions and they're not designed to be dancey and they're not designed to be energetic but they are designed to be really really soulful in the same way that as i was listening to it i got flashes of kid a you know by radiohead it felt not by any means like a yardstick or like a a foundational album for a genre it just felt like a really really solid soulful good collection of music this was really thoroughly enjoyable my only critique which my usual critique is that it outstays its welcome a little too long 57 minutes is a bit too long for an album like this to sustain interest throughout 45 minutes 40 minutes short and sharp and punchy i would adore it but everything here is really really solid i love this album to pieces yeah, I'd agree with a lot of the sentiments raised so far. I think this is another great album from Avery. And if you, you go back in the Unmuted Unmastered Vaults, you can hear my review of his previous album as well um, on the podcast. This really feels like an evolution of that previous work with kind of added 90s hardcore jungle and trip-hop flavour kind of added into it. But kind of it's still got that huge kind of booming sound of... Um, uh, together in static and it's still kind of got the some of the kind of more technical sounding techno elements of love and light and it's even got some of the kind of enormous kind of padscapes of of illusion of time and so it it, it does feel like it's kind of bringing those things together but it's also got these kind of extra new parts added in with the breakbeats 
kind of with that extra energy. And Tom, you said it's not particularly dancey and energetic, but actually coming from listening to his other stuff, I think some of these tracks really get going once the the kind of beats come in and that it starts kind of giving you that more kind of dance floor techno and it feels maybe a bit closer even though it's not not quite the pounding techno of when i saw him live and again you can go back in the podcast vault and hear jess and i talking about uh seeing him do a three-hour dj set it's not that but it's closer to that than any of his previous stuff has been maybe except for if you go all the way back to like drone logic from 2013 my only major issue with the album's kind of personal and that's that he's released so many records in such a short time that I feel like I'm just not digesting them all properly. And it kind of makes me think more about the similarities between the records where I'm thinking, oh, that's quite similar to Together in Static. Or, I mean, there's a song on here that was actually a B-side from Love and Light. And I'm thinking, oh, well, that sound sounds like something that could have been on Song for Alpha and maybe a bit more space would have kind of made me not make those comparisons. But also, I... I mean, this is a guy who's, you know, seems to be at the top of his game, writing music at breakneck pace, and it's all coming out as incredible. So I feel like I shouldn't be complaining that um, he's kind of working at this this level. But yeah, the the sound design's fantastic. It's it's always for a purpose, like you were saying, Tom. It doesn't feel like someone who's just kind of standing at their wall of modular synths and trying to come up with something that you've never heard before. It's always to further the song along or to further an idea. Uh, the pacing through the album's great. The moment there needs to be a change up, it changes. There are a few moments where I think that maybe some of the sounds aren't don't quite work, and we'll get into that in, in the kind of track by track. But yeah, overall, I think this is a really great techno record, one of the best of the year. Right, let's go into the track by track. Um, and we're going to open with a song that I wasn't super keen on new faith i think all of the composition is nice but so it kind of goes through this track and it's this kind of repeating section and it swells up towards the end but there's this distortion tone added to the piano and to some of the pads that come in and it's just a bit too harsh maybe it's better on speakers and i i know what he's going for he's trying to recreate i think like that huge speaker system and how it's like the sound is just blaring at you bon headphones it all sounds a bit too close and a bit too kind of grating and that that kind of didn't work for me and it wasn't maybe the best opening to the record i will definitely give you that uh, now that you put it in those terms it makes a lot more sense there's a point probably about like halfway through the track where though it's getting more dense it's not getting louder and though it's trying to give itself more presence, it doesn't give itself more presence. I kind of got the idea of like a tape or a recording degradating rather than it being distortion. But now that you put it in that sense, I can actually see and imagine it in a live setting, which does make a lot more sense. Yeah, this is probably a track which on a studio setup with a sub, two or three sets of drivers, this works incredibly well. I don't think it translates on Spotify, but it could also be a good reason to get a physical copy, to get a proper CD cover or to get a vinyl, which I don't know whether it would actually convey it better or not. But I see exactly what you mean. It's it's a it's an interesting effect, and I want to go to a venue alone and put this on and see what it sounds like. 
Uh, but yeah, it doesn't quite translate here. But it's still a great track. Those opening bars were just mwah, gorgeous. Yeah, I, I thought the similar thing to you, Will. It's kind of like, for me, it was... I was just imagining a hi-fi system with some speakers just being overdriven, as in just put up too loud and turns into that. And I... Yeah, I think that it missed its mark. I don't think it worked. It just sounded a bit harsh to listen to. Maybe that's the point, but I don't like it. But it starts calm, atmospheric, peaceful. And I thought that was like a really quite a bold, bold start, bold stance. Um, it has these like drawn out minimalist piano pieces and some like swelling subtle bass comes in at the background and that's really cool but when it reaches that distorted bit it's just just a bit too much tom you were saying about hearing it in a venue and his previous record together in static which was where he kind of he kind of started experimenting or kind of did his main experiments with that kind of huge booming drum sound um that was all kind of based around this set of shows that he was doing at a a church because it it was kind of like just post lockdown he did this kind of pair of shows at at a church and i think he did the whole like live stream ticketed live stream type thing it was kind of this event that he was building up to and the next track which is the title track of the record kind of brings that sound over with these huge booming drums and it's it's trying to replicate that kind of sound of this massive space with these speakers like really punching in your headphones or on your speakers at home in you know in your living room um i think it still works quite well here and another element of the song i really like is the lead synth which is is quite subtle actually and the modulations in it are aren't aren't huge but they're really emotive because when it does like it just opens the filter a little bit more and it really does kind of give you that extra bit of feeling because things aren't moving around too much yeah, the thing with this one that struck me was it's in the subtleties. Listen to the sub bass. It's actually relatively quiet in the overall mix, and yet it's just enough. It's warm and it's gooey and it's great. It doesn't feel um, like someone's got way too excited at the desk and just wanted to turn it up and up and up just quietly. Oh, a little bit more's not going to hurt. A little bit more's not going to hurt. And just spoil the entire mix. This is buried away and it's got more than enough space to work. I agree with you as well. The little synth lines, they are decoration in the most artisan way, you know, in the way of a Swiss watch or something. There's no excess and yet everything is entirely necessary and beautifully intricate. It's really, really nice. This is something that I could happily fall asleep to, have on repeat for an hour. It's a lovely, lovely track. The rhythmic nature of this song really got it for me like with that atmosphere as well and then there's this like lovely bouncing sort sort of sounding bass um in the back which is one of those subtleties which you talked about tom and that was really special um i will say towards the end the percussion kind of sounded like pots and pans being hit um but otherwise it was a decent song the next track is wall of sleep with high I think that I've, that's how I've been pronouncing her name. I'm hoping that's roughly accurate. Uh, I love this track. I think this is one of the standouts from the record. 
um, the breakbeats come in for the first time here and it gives that really like 90s hardcore vibe to the song. But it's taking that and adding it to these kind of airy, I, I don't know, I'd call them airy, but kind of aquatic sounding pads. And the vocal riff comes through, which I, I don't know if it's even lyrical. It, it does kind of sound like it's just been chopped up from something. Um, but it just makes this kind of perfect melody over the top. Um, it it's just really well crafted. The it kind of pushes you along, and it just brings up the energy so much from the previous two songs. Yeah, this ha- song has more direction than the first two. I thought it the song really felt like you're looking towards something, and you're on a journey to get there. There's more rhythm, and there's more like dance to it, um, which I really enjoyed. And it had more. I felt it had more substance and. It had those acts I was speaking of earlier and it created a story there. I do think those vocals could have changed up a bit. I There were repeating parts, like sample parts, which well, just repeated a lot. I feel like it could have been changed up a little bit, but that's really a bit of a nitpick for this song because it was wonderful and such a story. The other thing that I thought about was this is kind of what I wanted Fred Again's um, album to be like. The way that it's got a load of drama behind it as well. The fact that it's got this wonderful, I don't know what you call it, it's almost like early 2000s trance sort of feel to it, which is really good. Um, The way that high vocals are also utilised as well, it feels like a really, really nice blend enough space for vocalists to show what they can do but also almost being buried almost swimming in this what am i trying to say here it's it's the fact that the vo- it's the fact that the vocals again are not the driving force here but they are just enough like i don't know they're holding on the surface they're trying they're trying to swim or something it's very difficult to describe but i think once you listen to it it becomes very very clear it's just good this is what i want to hear when someone says electronic music. I love this. The next track's The Slow Bullet, um, and I love how this sounds like just this enormous kind of huge texture, but it's it's just like ready to burst as the filter like pulls up over the course of the track, and then the filter pulls down again at the end, and there's just such great tension of just having all of this kind of harmonic content being almost forcing itself out from underneath. And I I also want to mention on this one, it's a short track, like I think it's only about a minute, but all of these shorter tracks I never felt like were interludes. They always felt like actual pieces of music on the same level as the others. It's just that the ideas were explored in a shorter time. And I think that on this track, they don't feel like they're kind of second rate compared to the other songs. And not every song needs to be, you know, a five minute deep exploration that eventually, you know, builds up to some like pounding techno beat. I do like these kind of playing with timings and it it kind of means that we get to move through more ideas in the runtime. Yeah, I think he does really well here in, in this album as a whole to, like you said, we'll have those short pieces which still tell so much. They still deliver a lot. Um your description of this track though was much more descriptive than mine because I just put wibbly wobbly, but I really enjoyed it. 
Oh, I'm giggling about uh, wibbly wobbly. Um, I must admit, I followed this very much as an interlude, only because I linked it directly to Devotion, which came straight afterwards. But the contrast is so stark. It's a wonderful way of how a really slow track can complement a really tough and intense track and create a very uh, obvious split between the two. That's, I think, the key thing it did there was slowing it down so much, hence the title, I suppose, and contrasting that so heavily with what comes afterwards. Let's get on to that next track, Devotion. And this one, for me, brought in kind of some jungle influences as well, where, you know, I was talking about hardcore on Wall of Sound, and this one definitely feels more, I, I don't know, it's kind of, the distinction is maybe hard to make, but that one sounded more kind of, techno based with the breakbeats added in and this one sounds more like it's kind of drawing on that era of like serious like breakbeat manipulation type stuff and even in the kind of the cadence of the way that the break plays out feels very drum and bass um and one thing i really liked about this song is that each element that he adds makes the track feel like more whole it's like he was leaving space and then the next layer just slots in perfectly into the mix. And it it's just kind of it's one of those things that you can't craft unless you're you're incredibly talented at at what you do because you know, if if you're me and you're not Daniel Avery, you write a song and you think, Oh, what what element would be cool to add here and you add one in, but you don't have the foresight to think, okay, I'm gonna kind of design all of my elements so they work with the next one as well. Like it's just kind of you know this is a master at work really. Yeah, it's like a good director of a film. It's like a Tarantino of music. Yeah, this one sounded way more full sounding to me. I really enjoyed the combination of those higher tones and those lower tones, and the same thing with the the different speeds um, and rhythms of the instrument. It's just not fighting against each other, but just doing their own thing, but still working well together. It gave such like a a fun flavour. And yeah, it, it was something a little bit different from what we heard in the album up to this point. And yeah, I thought it was a great time to put it in there. This feels like the real ramp up as well in the first part of the album. Like it, this feels like the most intense track out of the ones that you've heard so far the other thing about it as well is the it gave me such a wonderful wave of feelings and again i know it's a typical thing for me to say but i say it because it's true like i'm thinking like really really late 90s early 2000s racing games with completely over the top uh trance and jungle soundtracks uh on the menus it's got that vibe about it but it feels like it's a hd remake or something it's delicious whole wave of feelings and thoughts which uh, i never anticipated um so emotionally this one really got me only with janine brings in kind of a trip hop sound and i i thought this was kind of a, a genius stroke because obviously he's kind of introduced the kind of hardcore the kind of 90s bleep techno the jungle influences um what else are you going to add in well adding in trip hop feels like a logical extra step like it doesn't feel all separated out it feels like it exists within this this one whole but it's, it's such a kind of different sound and a different vibe that it really adds something different to the album it fits with that 90s aesthetic and it 
it kind of permeates the track from the drum groove, the vocals, the melodies. It all plays into that that sound and comes together really nicely. Yes, yeah, it's lovely. The fact that this is a little bit quieter as one, there's a little bit more space for vocals, is a really nice contrast. Just delicately put in there. It doesn't feel like it was a necessity or as part of a process. It was just what the track demanded and therefore it got it. It feels, despite being so electronic, it felt really, really organic and it felt really, really... What's the right word? I don't quite know what I'm putting saying there, but it's 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 the fact that it feels so again crafted. It's meticulous. It's not a process, you know. There's no cut and paste here. There is what each track required, and there is what was calling. It really feels like one of those tracks where every single piece it needed was put in there rather than what the artist wanted to put in there which sounds like a really big philosophical thing to say and I feel a bit sick saying it but also I think it's true for me this wasn't a great part of the album for me I I thought it was one of the lower points um, I did feel like it sounded a bit muddy and some points confused I, I think that it kind of at some point felt like it was multiple songs being kind of Frankenstein together, um, but not in a particularly great way. The next track, Spider, which for me kind of brought me back to Song for Alpha, I guess, which is 2018 album, I think. Um, it has that more kind of straightforward techno sound to it, where it is more kind of drum machines, not hugely reverbed, kind of more kind of direct. Uh, I really like all of the kind of more organic sounds, like the bell sounds, the introduces. Um, it feels like quite a nice switch up from from the other sounds that they've had. I think the the title "Spider" also really kind of sets the scene of this song, where it it does kind of give you that feeling of kind of like it's almost like he's just kind of sitting there watching this spider crawling around his room, and it's like, oh, his. Here's the soundtrack to this slightly mundane thing, but it's kind of in this techno style. <laughs> it works quite well, I think. For me, I, re I really enjoyed it, but the thing that bothered me was how the bass line didn't really resolve on like a nice and satisfying <laughs> note, like at end of bars. felt quite unnatural. Um, but saying that, the sounds were really good, the tones were really good. It kind of reminded me... Not so much of a spider watching a spider, which I guess it could, um, but of playing like laser tag. It had that kind of sci-fi essence to it <laughs> without being intrusive. Mm. I feel like you could just play it while, um, have it playing while you're playing uh, laser tag. Um, I think it's pretty good. It doesn't go into places where other songs are going, like um doesn't have the parts that I've, I wished for other tracks, but I don't feel like this is really what this song is trying to get across, really. Um, it's trying to get across that it's a laser tag song. I really love that description, and I think it's really true. Like, you know um, those educational videos uh, which were telling you about satellite communication <laughs> and how signals beam up into space and then they come back down to Earth somewhere else? I'm sure somewhere in an alternate reality, this is the background music in that. Uh, and that's one of the biggest compliments I can give it. It's got this very, very strange 
untouched pocket of my memory and suddenly I've gone, I know this sound, this sounds great. It's just got this wonderful timbre to it. And again, the way it's been mixed, and like you said, well, the drums are a lot drier, the whole composition's a lot drier. It's wonderful. The little sequence seems in the back that kind of sort of um, arise, they appear every now and again. It's just beautiful. Really, really meticulously put together. James, you were saying it sounds unnatural, but that's actually something I quite like about it. <laughs> it does all feel a bit unresolved and a, a bit off in a way. Like it, it's kind of, I don't know, think, things do feel a bit, it's maybe a bit unnerving, I guess. I enjoyed that. Uh, next track, Near Perfect with Shirelle. Again, we get maybe more of a trip-hop type sound. I really love the hi-hat sound and the groove to it on this song. I think that the rest of the drums, they sound good when you're listening to it, and then when you listen in, it's really the hi-hat that's kind of pulling them along. And and again, I really like that he's not stretching all of these songs out into kind of five minutes tracks he, he's kind of letting them sit and he, he kind of leaves you wanting more or just being satisfied with each one rather than you know a lot of producers struggle to kind of trim down what they've made this works really well i thoroughly enjoyed this one the rhythm and the percussion how i don't really know how to describe it but it kind of like tripped up on itself the the yeah the the beats and the rhythm and it reminded me of like a Bollywood song but like none of the instruments are similar none of the t- the tone is not similar it's just the rhythm the rhythmic um the play on the yeah the percussion and once that was in my head it didn't get out of my head but it was just like really enjoyable and like you said Will just the length of it is not long but it's it's there and it says it's peace and then it's gone and I think it just stands really well on its own the fact that it's a little bit shorter again it it feels like an interlude doesn't feel like it's got the same punch and the same weight um as the other tracks but that's also good because again i started contrasting this with what comes directly afterwards and then they're both such nice textures it's really really good again i say good a lot good good You're good the next song is higher uh, which is, I think, probably on this record as close as you get to a proper dance floor banger as as we've got. Um, one aspect that I really love and I want to pull out is the bell melody sound, and in particular, if when you if you really listen into that first note when it first hits in a bar, it sounds like there are lots of little ones hitting like either side of it. It's like droplets falling on water, like spread out over time like just before and just after it in the background it sounds really lovely um it kind of makes me think of i don't know if anyone's seen this there's an uh max for live device for ableton called bouncy notes where when you press a key on the keyboard it like drops a bunch of balls onto a keyboard and whenever one hits the keyboard it plays the note that's so you can make like interesting rhythms with it um and it really made me think of of that i doubt that's what he used for it but it's cool. The the beefy beefy I call it. The beefy bass synth was pretty incredible in this. Um I also enjoyed how like like you were saying with devotion will, how these elements kept getting layered on top of each other and they just brought more and more without making it 
overwhelming without making it crowded, without making it sound murky. And this one, this is one that had those um, that storytelling I was talking about, and it has like such this such great majestic ending to it, which is just it just left the track on like a really good note. Um, so this is one of my favorites for the album. I must admit, funnily enough, this was one of the ones that, whilst I didn't dislike it, it was one of my least favourites on the album, only because I didn't feel it was advancing anywhere. Um, and again, I think it's just because it was like a long runtime for this album. It's a great track in the context of everything I've listened to this year, but in terms of the album, probably one of my one of my least favourite. Next up, we get Ache, which is another kind of shorter track. And this one opens with the spoken word we haven't really spoken about any of the the kind of words that are on the album but there are these kind of spoken word sections at the end of certain tracks and at the beginning of this one and a lot of them are from kind of the the artists that are like named and featured um and i guess they're i don't know that i've really thought too much about them but they're all kind of trying to i guess get into kind of maybe personal issues or thinking about kind of what um Avery was saying in that quote that I read out at the beginning of kind of times aren't all good, but you can get through them kind of if you keep the important people in your life close to you. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's too much new to this song. Um, it just continues just the amazing pad sounds of this album that everything sounds enormous and beautiful. And it's not just all, you know, the same kind of, the same similar kind of big CS80 pads that you've heard, you know, on every album since the Blade Runner soundtrack. It does sound kind of different and new and interesting in a cool way. I suppose the other bit to read it, think about this as the... Not the halfway point, just after halfway. Consider this the halfway point in the album where suddenly the tone is shifted a little bit. What was it? I'm in the middle of something... Um, and you're part of it or something or along those lines. I don't know why I'm in the middle of something I can't wake up from and you're part of it. There you go. So again, either putting my English lit hat on here, either that's directly to the listener, you're halfway through, keep going, um, or we're in this together, which is a very interesting sort of um, metaphysical question. If you're just listening to an album, you could turn off any time, are you in it? Uh, let's not get involved in that. The other thing I love is just the space. It's weirdly, it sounds empty, um, which sounds like a very peculiar thing to say because it is, but also it conveys it so well, the, just space and vastness and also void, emptiness. It's not like it's trying to make a synth sound like spacey and like it's in a cathedral. It's not like it's trying to drop a pin or pop a balloon. It is trying to convey the nothingness of it. And that was beautiful. Whether that's just thematic or just because he wants to try and do it. That was beautiful. And then again, it's a wonderful tea, a setup for the next track. For me, the centerpiece of the track, though being at the start is is that spoken piece um it's only 20 words ish i think but for me it speaks like a million words it's just 
it's it's a poignant moment and it does take that turn in the album where you're like oh there's something serious going on um but i think the piece of music after it though small it really solidifies that um that mood and yeah the the journey you're going to take through the rest of the album and it um yeah makes you think a bit more the next track collapsing sky definitely comes in with a different tone as everyone's kind of alluded to it it sounds in a way to me positive but i don't know the kind of feeling it evoked in me was almost kind of you know when you're kind of in crisis a bit but you get to that point where you just kind of accept it and you have this kind of sense of relief about well things are bad but i'm you know that's the way it is and i'm i'm gonna do all right and i'm gonna get through it it kind of had that feeling to it which is quite a a dense a kind of complex thing to evoke from a you know a track without any lyrics mm. uplifting hit the down on the way back up it's um the other thing that strikes me is that it's really empty it's not afraid to use silence. It's not afraid to use these moments of, well, in any other track, imagine if you will, the, again, you have a moment of silence because you do a double stop and ev- all the instruments come back out, uh, all the instruments drop out and then they come back in for the chorus. It's not doing that. It's Again, it, like I said, it's not a synth line that you're trying to make sound as though it's in space or in a cathedral or in a giant cave. It's trying to evoke nothingness. And it's really unnerving for me. Like, this was a really evocative part of the album because it really felt a little bit unnerving and it felt a little bit odd to listen to. How do you listen to nothing? I think that this is a track, and again, with Ake as well, I kind of relate to in my head. It was so good at conveying that, but I also get what you you understand in terms of... uh, emotionally how it's speaking to you. It does feel rousing it feels again uplifting i would call it but probably everyone's got their own uh term for it the issue i had with this track is that it wasn't called table tennis in a leaky cave because that's that's exactly how i would <laughs> describe it um there there's these nice um, random bleeps and bloops um which were really cool but like there was this like serious i guess that's not the right word but like yeah this beautiful symphony of indulgent synths and peace behind these bleeps and bloops which is the lovely contrast and yeah it's just a lovely lovely track to listen to next up we get lone swordsman which was originally a b-side for dusting for smoke i think from his album love and light which came out two years ago so this song's been out for two years and this version hasn't changed much i think I think the mix might be slightly different and that the intro is new as well, but otherwise the track's mostly unchanged. Um, it, it's still a great track. I mean, one of the big things about it was it, it was released as this B side and it, it kind of took on a life of its own where people kind of latched onto this song even more than a lot of the stuff on the album, um, which might explain why it's kind of popped back up again. Uh, but I think it's just a, a really great moment of him delving into that kind of emotive side of his, um, or more softer side of his songwriting. Um, 
that maybe in his description he was saying he was trying to avoid with the kind of euphoria side of things, but maybe he sees this as him coming across a bit more honest or maybe using those skills in a way to convey how he's actually feeling. If it is a B-side, those are some of the best musical stories you can have when fans make songs their own. They're very rare and they're very exciting. My question, though, is, is this track adding anything to this album? Uh, And the question related to that is, if it came out two years ago, how come you look into the past to add it to your current album? That's just me being a bit of a um, pernicious music fan of keep moving forward and and saying keep moving forward. Um, But I don't know whether it really added anything to what came before. It's lovely. It's great. but. Again, I'm kind of left here thinking, so what's the big progress here? Has it jumped forward at all? I don't think it has. Good little track. Don't know what it was necessary to put on the album, especially if it's already a B-side. For me, the the lead synth tone sound was sounded a bit generic and not yeah, not unique. But saying that the the chords that go behind this um riff, this tone give it such a like it originally sounds kind of minor kind of like moody but then the chords switch and it sounds uplifting again and it goes back and forth and it has this yeah mood change throughout the whole track which kind of keeps you engaged so I could forgive the tone of the synth I will say while we're, we're kind of on the subject of uh, Love and Light, that album. That was a double album that he released, which is only about seven minutes longer than this one. Or actually, no, only like three minutes longer than this one. So I mm. I can kind of appreciate the the feeling that maybe this could have been cut down. For me, Lone Swordsman is is kind of the the softest moment on the album. And I think it for me it deserves the spot in this because it does I don't know, for me it it almost kind of humanizes or or gives a a moment of kind of relaxation or or kind of respite compared to a lot of the harsher tones on the rest of the record but yeah i'm completely sympathetic of getting to this point and thinking okay where where are we going now um the next track overflowing with escape this one i think walks the line with the distortion um, I think it maybe goes a bit too far towards the end, like the first track did. Um, but I do like how that distortion kind of... The best way I can describe it is it makes this song sound like like the cranking of a gear slowly. Like It just has that kind of like... It's like it's some kind of old mechanical thing that's like hard to get going. It, it kind of... Because the, the distortion's kind of rhythmic in the way that it it's... Um, affecting the sounds so it it does have that kind of yeah that feel to it yeah for me this was it did go over the line of that distortion again which i didn't enjoy and unlike the other quote-unquote interludes this really was an interlude for me which i wanted to get through it's um interesting not a little spoken word Tidbit, uh, the word escape is wrong. I wouldn't use the word escape. But you did. 
and it's it, it, it's called that because there isn't a better word or something. Again, does this feel like another transition into the final part of the album? I suppose so, but it feels like a slightly unusual part to add in a transition like that. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm being, being overly critical because the first part blew me away so much, but yeah, I couldn't quite figure out where this was going after that. Next, we get Chaos Energy with High and Kelly Lee Owens. Uh, I love that this opens with a re-space, again, going all in on kind of the 90s sound. Um, there, are, There's like this sound that's very modern roller-style drone bass, where it's like the kind of wob sound, where it feels it sounds like a horn kind of blaring out. With this track, I really don't know what it is about it, but I just didn't get it. It feels like it should be this big send-off for the album and it's got all of the elements you know it it has multiple parts and it really ratchets up the energy towards the end but for whatever reason it just didn't have the the kind of oomph to it that i i was really kind of wanting and I, i'm really hoping that over time you know i'll kind of figure out you know a way i can like in, identify or engage with this track in a way that I enjoy it, but for whatever reason, yeah, it just didn't really work for me in the way that it needed to. Again, my key criticism is what is this adding to the album? Again, I wonder whether this was a slightly unnecessary track. It's great, but the positioning just feels a little bit odd. And like you said, well, I love the classic elements. Big wobby wub bass is really, really cool. But I wonder why it didn't come earlier in the album. I think that would have been a better placement for it if it had to go anywhere. Um, yeah, it just doesn't quite... It doesn't give that crescendo that I'd expect. But fortunately, there is a one track to go, and I think that is a fitting ending to the album. Yeah, I'm on the same page as you guys. Um, the, it, the start was making me... I had I had intentions for it. And I didn't, that's not right. <laughs> I was hoping this was going to be a great track. Like it, it started with this like spooky theme, and I felt shivers from the spoken part, um, spoken word part, and the instrumentation. But then it just didn't go anywhere. I had expectations, and it didn't fulfill those expectations. Halfway through, there's this. Um, it might be the wob, <laughs> what Bob that you're talking about, um, but. It, it reminded me of like an an alarm in like a nuclear reactor going off, not like a fire alarm, but like this long drawn out alarm. Um, yeah, alarm. that sort of alarm, and that that got me interested, and that's what what kind of that's what I focused on throughout the rest of the song, and it it get it got me invested. So hey ho, it worked. Right, let's get on to the last track then. Heavy Rain. Um, I really like the vocal passage at the end. Um, I think it's really fitting. I think it works really well to end the album and it kind of wraps up all of the themes really nicely. Um, I think throughout the track, uh, this was where I started to get that feeling that you're saying, Tom, of I'm not really sure what this is adding. I really like the kind of more synthy percussion. That's something I kind of haven't heard from him in the Obviously, he's done in his kind of more 
traditional techno-y style on Song for Alpha and Love and Light, but with this big booming sound, having the kind of more kind of synth sounds mixed into the percussion sound really nice. But yeah, I I don't know, I maybe needed something a bit more in the in the arrangement to really hook me an hour in. And I think in time, you know, when I when I know all of the other tracks really well, I'll enjoy this one more. But just at kind of the fifty seven minute mark it was maybe not as vital as the other songs until you get to that outro bit. Yeah, again, I love the fact that this was a song of a couple of different guises. Like it had two or three different egos that it kind of swapped between and two or three very different attitudes and instrumentations, which was lovely. I really, really liked the fact that it jumped between them very freely and it felt like it had enough energy to be a closer. And yeah, like like you said, Will, the spoken word section at the end is really nice. Again, it feels like uh, it's not overdone and it's not cliche. It's saying enough to give the album a theme and to be able to top and tail everything that's heard throughout the album, which is lovely. But um, that's it, full stop. This was good. I really like this one. This is probably actually one of my favourite tracks on the album, I must be honest. Yeah, this spoken word part was a highlight to me. I'm not sure if this was deliberate, but there's a there's a line, I think, at the end of the spoken word bit. It says, I, I know I'll see the light again. And then the sound of the music or the effects or whatever you want to call it, it sounded like a cave or like a tunnel collapsing. And it felt really poignant when he's saying saying that he'll see the light again, but there's something collapsing on top of on top of you. And that yeah, it just felt really poignant and uh, just like a interesting uh, moment to end on. Right. I don't think there's much point in going around and asking if people would recommend this album because yeah. I think the answer is going to be uh, oh yeah, yeah obviously yes um, I would like to say at the end of our last review of the year that it's been uh, this has been a really good one and that by talking it through with you guys I just want to go back and listen to it more and pick out all of those things that we've been talking about in this this review which is I guess really what, what doing this is about um and also, it's been nice to end on one that we're all positive on because I really didn't know <laughs> if you guys were going to be on board for this very techno-y techno album <laughs> as our last review of the year. <laughs> and longer than one other ones that we've done before. Mm. Yeah. I, I was also doubtful as to whether I'd be on board with this, but actually, no, it's fine. It's I good. I was fretting over if there'd be enough of a story for Tom. And... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> James, James I need the narrative, it. but it's there. It's good. It's fine. It's good. Right. It's time to rank it then. As always, for listeners, rankings are down in the description. Where do we want to put Ultra Truth by Daniel Avery? This is another difficult one. I'm looking at Caitlin Aurelia Smith and I'm saying, yes, I prefer Daniel Avery. So it may be breaching the top 10 or it could even go a little higher. I'm in top five range, straight up. Oh, well, I would put it above Caitlin and Riley Smith. Should we go for like number ten? D- d- get have a little drama. Last <laughs> okay. one of the year. Have a little drama. Let's do it. Should it go above Abibio Sound Machines' Electricity? 
Yeah. Yes. yes. Should it go above Kokoroko's Could We Be More? Yeah. Yes. Should it go above Animal Collective with Time Skiffs? Yep. Yes. Yes. Should it go above 111111 by MGMT? Mm, yes. Dramatic pause. Yes. Yes. Should it go above Hideous Bastard by Oliver Sim? Yep. Yes. Yeah. Should it go above Blue Rev by Always? I'm going to say no. I say yes. Oh, gosh. James, um, it's all down to you. No. <laughs> uh, last album of the year. Oh, you know what, guys? We could just push it at number one. <laughs> we could do it. We could do it. Well, I'll say it goes above always then. Okay. Should it go above Oso Oso? Yeah, that's an easy one for me. Oh, no. It's above Oso Oso. Um, I'm going to say... I will say yes. Ooh. Should it go <sighs> above Obong Jr? I will say no. That's my gut. Me too. Goodness me, another change to the top ten. That puts Daniel Avery with Ultra Truth in at number four. Wow. Our, our top ten has changed up quite a lot in the last few weeks of the, of the year. Mm. Right, that's it for the review. This is the time when we'd normally go on to upcoming releases, but nothing's coming out. I think there are some Mitski demos, if anyone cares about those. Um, I think Fontaine's DC are releasing a live session, if you care about that. But uh, no one's releasing anything because everyone's listening to Christmas music now. (laughs) (laughs) So... In that case, I guess it's time to talk about what we're going to be doing for the next few weeks, because don't worry, listeners, we will indeed have new episodes coming out. Uh, We will be doing, similar to last year, but with a different format, a mini-series of episodes with an overarching theme, which I'm going to leave until next week as as a, I don't know. Teaser? As a teaser, yeah. <laughs> so, that's it for the episode. Well, I normally say that's it for upcoming release and that's it for the show, but I can't. That's, that's it for that's that. It for the episode. That's, that's it, it. That's that's it. For, the show. <laughs> for everything, thank you very much for listening. And thank you very much for listening to any of the episodes that you've listened to this year. If you'd like to hear more from us and hear the exciting things we've got planned, for over the next month while we take a bit of a break from doing reviews you should subscribe on your podcast service of choice maybe turn on notifications so you hear about new episodes our spotify wrapped was saying that most of our listeners listen as soon as the new episode comes out so it seems like most people are there right as soon as it comes out so that's great um keen beans <laughs> they are keen beans the lot of you uh If you'd like to hear more from us, maybe over the winter break we'll be more active on social media at Unmuted Weekly on Twitter and at Unmuted Mastered on Instagram. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can drop us an email at UnmutedMastered at gmail.com. 
I can't announce the album for next week because there isn't one. So. Because there isn't one. So there's nothing to announce. The album for next week is nothing. I'll say this to close us out. Freddo! <laughs> Freddo! Freddo! Uh, before anybody stops their recording, clap oh, yeah. <laughs> Three, two, one. <laughs>